as young as high school being somebody to toss and turn to my sleep, I'd wake up almost every morning and the sheets are all just pulled off the corner of the bed and <laughs> I got to remake the entire bed every morning. Because I guess it's like, I don't know the names of sheets. Like, I always think, like, standard sheet is the loose one that goes on top of everything under your cover. But then there's the thing that, like, has the elastic wrap that goes around the side of the mattress, you know? I and that's what I would pull off. Sheets, too. Like, it's all yeah. it's all part of the sheet uh, uh, bundle. And then right. there's, like, the, the, the what the fuck? Shit. Mattress cover. Yeah, I, well... Yeah, I'm thinking, like, I, I know there's another name for it, at least, my, like, my mother refers to it as something else, but I can't think of what the um, the name, the yeah, the name of it is escaping me now. Okay, yeah, because I have to either, look either way. right. There is another name for it. I keep wanting to say, like, overthrow or something, but I don't think that's right. You're, you're talking about, like, the little thin thing that you, like, it's just, like, between the mattress and that sheet. No, I'm talking about, like, the, the, the main top, like thing that like typically does the design matches like pillows and stuff on that would go on oh, the outside the sh- of your bed the sham is that what it's called i don't feel like that's right either um oh my god why am i stupid blanket <laughs> i mean it's something like that maybe i i don't know comforter I'm, comforter okay we got there that's it yes so i like i actually looked up oh there's another name by the way uh a duvet is oh, I never for called the that. comforter. Nope. <laughs> Wait, did you Google it to get comforter, or did that finally just come to no, you? No, no, I own? knew comforter. That's what I always <laughs> called it, was the comforter. Blanket or comforter was always the term yeah, I okay. used. Um, I was like, how, ter- but, how terrible are we? we got to Google this shit now. When we get Not only are we getting injured when we're getting older, our memory is escaping us now, too. <laughs> well, it, you've got bedspread. You've got duvet, comforter, Maybe blanket. Maybe bedspread. Quilt. The, if I could say the word, bedspread. And you also have coverlets. Cover? No, that's stupid. No one ever uses that. Who uses that? Probably the English. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and the Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone who always has a bad feeling about his intros, Mike Bradley. That one's actually accurate. So <laughs> I I can't uh, good. Good job. Yeah. I, I you know, I let you slide last week. Well, you know, you did your own last week. That's right. Yeah, I, I you fell were by the let me slide because yeah. you didn't do any at all. Yeah. You didn't let me slide, you just got lazy. That's that's that's, that's a lot of it too. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes inspiration just does not hit me, and it's not even worth trying because it's just going to be even worse if I just try to really force it in there. That uh, sounded bad. We're just going to keep rolling. You know what? <laughs> it, sometimes those bad ones are what can be fun, though. You know, <laughs> you should do it anyways, even if they're bad, and then just let us make fun of you because yeah, see, that's you make fun of us avoid. enough. <laughs> you make fun of us enough with the names you give us in the intros. I know. I'm the host. So, I can do that. That's 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 yeah, well, that's what I get by with. Well, when you do a bad job, we should have that opportunity <laughs> as opposed to, you know. I think like, there's plenty of other reasons why you guys can can make fun of me and, and get into me while these episodes go. Fair point. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're back. Uh, now that we've got Jurassic World behind us, we're catching up on the next big thing that we're behind on, which right now is Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
so this is the Disney Plus series that's been long rumored, finally announced, and released over the Memorial Day weekend. Um, I waited a bit to see if anyone else is going to get to the show. The only other, like, regular guest here that finished was Josh, but he couldn't schedule for this one. So you guys are stuck with just me and Mike for this one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, alright, so getting into Obi-Wan, we're not going to waste any time here, because we're, we're going to try to see if we can do this fairly quickly for us, even though it's a Star Wars episode and those notoriously go very long. Um, so before this series became a series, it was long rumored to be a movie. Uh, Lucasfilm had announced all sorts of spinoff movies for characters and other stuff before Disney Plus got off the ground. Solo was meant to be the start of that trend. We were meant to get a Boba Fett movie, a Yoda movie, and an Obi-Wan movie if you believe all of the rumors around the time that Solo was in development. Um, I don't know if we ever actually got confirmation on any of those movies, but those were the ones that always seemed like they were making headlines of, of something that Lucasfilm was working on. Um... Obviously, it seemed like they were going to test the water with Solo, and as we've talked about on numerous occasions, that movie failed to live up to Lucasfilm's expectations. There are a lot of reasons why. I know we've gone over it a lot of times. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, But the short story of it, the movie disappointed the box office. So suddenly, all of Lucasfilm's spinoff plans were put on hold. After that, Lucasfilm started testing out Star Wars content on Disney+, Plus, beginning with The Mandalorian. And The Mandalorian took off. It was very well-received, well uh, and then Lucasfilm decided to double down on Star Wars series and not movies. So that made the move from feature films to Disney+. Plus. So the long-rumored Obi-Wan movie was then adapted into a six-episode limited series. So all six episodes of the series were directed by Deborah Chow, who directed episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, Joby Harold is listed as the writer on all six episodes. Uh, there were other writers listed. Um, there was Hossein Amini, uh, Stuart Beatty, Hannah Friedman, and Andrew Stanton. All of them, I'm guessing at this point, had a hand in Obi-Wan when it was probably supposed to be a movie, since I'm pretty sure Harold is the only writer that ha- had something to do with it as a series. Um, but I guess enough of their ideas were still used that they are still credited as writers on the series. Um, I do have a little bit more information about Stuart Beatty's contribution when we get into the spoilers. Um, cause he talks about some specific, specific plot points and stuff. So I'll spin back around to that, but I found a neat little article that, that gave us some, I found interesting tidbits for some stuff. So we'll come back to that. Um, the series brings back Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, Joel Edgerton as Owen Lars, Bonnie, I don't know how to say her last name, P-S-A, Pissy, Pissy, I don't want to say Pissy, but P-I-E-S-S-E as Baru. She was in the prequels also. Um, and you can't have Darth Vader without James Earl Jones, so he is credited as the voice of Darth Vader. Uh, Moses Ingram joins as Reva, Sung Kang as the fifth brother, Rupert Find as Grand Inquisitor, Camille Nanjiani as Haja, uh, Indira Varma as Tala, Oshia Jackson Jr. as Roken. They're all joining Star Wars for the very first time. Uh, looking at some of the ratings for the series, right now Rotten Tomatoes has it with a critic rating of 83%. Audience rating at 63%, which I feel like is pretty low just for the internet review bombing crap because, you know, it's the internet. Uh, Metacritic sounds a little bit more stable. They're at a Metascore 73, user score 6.8, so those are comparable to each other. Um, With this being a series and not like a, a movie, there's not really like box office numbers to go to, so I tried to look up just viewership numbers. Um... So the premiere 
for Obi-Wan Kenobi drew in 2.14 million U.S. households in the live plus three-day time frame, which is the biggest premiere for a Disney Plus show. Uh, the finale drew in 1.8 million U.S. households during the five-day period uh, once it dropped, which is a Wednesday to Sunday uh, time frame. So according to Deadline, that viewership was 20% higher than the Book of Boba Fett's finale. So I think wow. the, the show actually did pretty well as far as viewership is concerned. Is, they, is that make it also the highest? I th- it, like was I, The premiere was the highest. Way. Like, Do we know that the finale was too? Or I have a feeling that since they didn't list like Mandalorian numbers, I don't think Book of Boba Fett's finale lived up to like Mandalorian finale numbers. So I'm going, going to guess that the Mandalorian finale is still higher than that. Okay. But, and that's, you know, Mandalorian, I don't know if maybe it just, it started low and ended high is my guess. So maybe Obi-Wan started high, like... And just stayed high. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that the premiere is still higher than maybe one of the Mandalorian premieres. Although, I don't know if it would be... I don't know. I should should have looked up those numbers, but I didn't look to compare. I was just going off the one article I read that compared a little bit. But okay. now I am curious what the Mandalorian premieres and finales brought in. I'm guessing it's going to be an upward slope for a while. Yeah. Like it, like where like this was the highest one, but I'm guessing season three of Mandalorian will be... Oh, yeah. The yeah. next highest one, and it like it, it, we're still very early into these numbers to be setting like official records, I think. And plus, these it's are like third party know. numbers. Like, there's a there's a specific right. I forget what the name of the 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 firm is or whatever that tracks this stuff. But any company that owns a streaming service, they never release official numbers. They just say, "Hey, this is the most watched thing we have." Okay, well, does that mean five right. million or five hundred million? Like, what's the what's the number there? They don't ever give us that. Right. So we're left to whatever these third-party tracking sites give us. And the stat that they gave was specifically U.S. households. Like, this isn't worldwide viewership. This is in the U.S. Okay. These are the numbers. Well, so, Star Wars which, generally does a lot better here than anywhere else. Right. And it's, there's there's some of these series they don't always... Like, some of these other countries don't have access to Disney Plus yet. Or it premieres later on Disney Plus in other countries. So it's not all day and date everywhere. So those numbers could change whenever... You know, they get add to the viewership when they start hitting other countries and other territories and stuff like that. But for right now, that's kind of where we're at. Those are the numbers that I saw. Fair enough. Um, before we get into some general thoughts, we're going to start with that. But I do want to say that if you're curious about this show, if you're curious about Obi-Wan Kenobi and you're not sure if you need to watch anything else before jumping in, I do not think there's a lot of required viewing here. I think really all you need to do is watch the prequel movies and you're set. Like, I... I think that's it. Specifically, if you just want to jump into Revenge of the Sith and then go to this, I think you're fine. Uh, I'm assuming most people have done that. If you haven't, the first episode of the series features a three to four minute recap of basically the prequels. So it gives you the broad strokes of everything you'd probably need before going into this. So if you're curious about this show, just jump in and watch it. Try it. Or at the very least, if you want to refresh some prequel knowledge, watch the prequels and then jump in. I think you're fine after that. I don't think you need to watch any other spin-off movies, any of these other series on Disney Plus, I think that's enough. You'll be good. I would add a new hope to that personally to add more weight and context to the whole series as a as a whole. Some... Just as a whole like you get a better I think you have I guess you know there's a um a lot of information in a new hope that will aid you 
about Kenobi's character as well that I guess this series doesn't necessarily we're not going to get into any specifics but I think having the context of A New Hope I think is important to add significance to what's happening. I think my my asterisk to that would be watch the prequels, watch this show and if you're still curious about A New Hope, watch A New Hope last. I think that would make a better viewing experience than watching A New Hope before this. I might it might considering I can't say, how I never how had well that opportunity I th- so I yeah. yeah, I mean most any Star Wars fan out there that is probably going to watch this show has watched all of the Star Wars content. They like right. they know A New Hope by the back of their hand. So a lot of the characters in this show, you already know their fate based on the next movie. So it does take a little bit of the, uh, like, tension out of it, I think. Well, but, I mean, we have six movies after this that have happened yeah. in this universe after seven movies. Yeah. Technically, Solo is after this, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's seven, eight movies. Rogue One. Yeah. There's eight movies that happen after this in the Star Wars universe that exist. So there's a lot of information out there about what happens to characters you might see on this show. Yeah, not to mention all the animated stuff that ties into all this stuff. But I'm not going to try right. to overload people with all the Star Wars content they should yeah, be watching. Well, I guess your point is right, though. Because then if you watch the show and you're still interested after you know you've seen everything you need to see, then you can chase down, you know everything else that you want to know. And I, I haven't done it where like watched this show and then watched a new hope. Like I'm curious how well, like I could see what they're setting up and some of the breadcrumbs that lead into that movie. I'm curious if you watch them back to back, how well that plays together, which is, I know something we're going to get into in specifics too, but just for people watching, like if anybody does that, honestly, I'm curious what you think and what stood out to you in that type of, viewing timeline so feel free to like comment on the episode let us know what you think or if there's something that stuck out to you like i'm i'm very curious i'll, I'll give you as much info as i can because i did that well not technically did it but i watched a new hope the next day okay after the finale so all right so there's a specific question i'll level at you for later okay that we can get into um, all right so general spoiler free stuff what did you think of this show this show was not entirely what i expected I don't know exactly what I expected. Neither. Okay. It, it like I just so Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan from what we had seen previously, okay, was the prequels. This is when he played this character before, and it's my own fault for not using my brain. <laughs> um, but it, you know, in the prequels, Obi Wan is a very lighthearted, joking, cracking wise kind of character. Yeah. And I feel like I again I didn't use my brain. Cause I was like, oh man, I love that part of Obi-Wan. We're gonna get and it, like part of me was expecting that again. It was yeah. a stupid part of me. It was a really dumb part of me that was wrong. And it it was just one of those things where it was like that's what I'm used to seeing out of Obi-Wan being played by Ewan McGregor. Yeah. So, the show having a much more serious tone than the prequels did was yeah. a definite shift that I wasn't expecting, but I should have been because I'm an idiot and I didn't expect it. <laughs> um, well, they do have to give him like so some I, kind of arc. Like, he has to start somewhere right. and then kind of work his way through some shit. Um, right. 
it, there had to be something happening. And it was, I guess, you know, there was a little flair here and there about it that we'll talk about later. But it, for the most part, for me, I enjoyed the show. But I do think, in this case, this would have been better as a movie. Okay. Um, you think that, it just that would be too long? It felt extended artificially. Okay. Yeah. Like it, it, a lot of things felt like we didn't need this, this, and this. Yeah. It, it wasn't necessary. It was still good. The content was good. It was well performed. It was well written. It was well done. But we could have lived without it. Okay. And it would have been better. I, I just think it would have been better as a movie in this case, whereas certain things I think are better off as a show. I think this one goes in the other direction and would have been better in a truncated format. Okay. I'll get why into why in specifics. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers and stuff, but that's my general thought. I think, like, I I will agree that it, it did, like, maybe, I don't know, like, pacing is a thing, but, like, I, I do think it starts slow. I think it took me a few episodes to really start to get into it, and it I think it definitely just ramps up as the series goes on. I think the back half of this is really, really solid. Um, and yeah, I think there, there, I could see where you're coming from saying there's just stuff that just either takes too long or is extended, could be cut down to like a two hour, two and a half hour movie and still be fine. Um, but I also think like there, there's a lot, they give these characters a lot of room to breathe in this show. And I think that's, the show is better for it. Like, I think there's just some moments with Ewan and Obi-Wan that like, I don't, I feel like they could, they could be in a movie. I just don't know if they'd hit as hard and, and. Like any really any more of Obi Wan as as you and uh, of you and as Obi Wan as we can get, I will take as much as possible. I I love him as oh, this absolutely. character. So, yes, at the same time, I would agree that I think there's probably a, a time thing here that it just it does feel a little bit long and extended. But I will take as it. it that being said, I still want all six hours of this thing just to like live and breathe, and I I want to watch it. I love. I really did. I really did like it a lot. And I guess, again, I can say without spoilers, I, most of the issues I had with it in terms of like that length and that feeling stretched out to make into a series kind of thing mm -hmm. wasn't with him in his okay. scenes. It was a lot of the extra other padded on things and storylines okay. and whatnot that I didn't need and I don't think added a lot to the universe yeah. As a whole, I don't think we're going to see a lot more of this stuff that was not necessarily wholly about Obi-Wan. You know, because okay. there, there is things in the series that are not purely about Obi-Wan. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think we're going to see them again. Some of them, yes. But I feel like those things would have fit into the two and a half hour movie you're talking about. Okay, I got you. And other threads, I think, were completely unnecessary. But, uh, like, the... Getting him as Obi-Wan as much as possible, awesome. Yeah. But, again, when we get into spoilers, I'll get into more of stuff I just felt was bloated, I yeah. guess. Um, I know, we, we especially with Star Wars stuff, we always have a very hard time, like, kind of beating around the bush as far as, like, talking about it, but, like, not talking about it. So I'm just going to throw out the, we're, we're done with general spoiler stuff. We're going to, we're going to get to the spoilers so we can actually dive in and, and say the stuff we want to say. So... This is it. So if you've not seen Obi-Wan 
Kenobi and do not want spoiled, pause this now, come back after watching all six episodes of the show. If you're caught up or if you don't care what we spoil for you, uh, listen on. Either way, this is your last warning. Spoilers to follow. Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler. Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler. You know, something like that. All right, so we're into the spoilers. The one thing I'm going to mention, just because I didn't put it prior to the spoiler warning because I didn't want it to spoil some of the, the cast that's in here that was not... Um, really in any... I don't remember it being in any of the commercials or anything, like or the trailers or anything like that. So They kept them very hidden. Yeah, so they do bring back in the very first episode, Jimmy Smith's as Bail Organa, and we get Vivian Lyra Blair as a young Leia Organa, which is fucking fantastic. And... and I was going to say something about the cast as well that I didn't say before. Okay. Um, also for spoilers, is that Sun Kang... That dude disappeared into that for me, and I could not tell that was him. Yeah, yeah. That that was some incredible makeup they put on that dude. Yeah, yeah. All the all the Inquisitors looked awesome. I thought. Yeah. Um, so with the the spinning off of like the casting with with young Leia, I, this show is set ten years after Revenge of the Sith. The only thing we know about Obi Wan during this time was that he was on Tatooine, watching over Luke. So leading up to the show. It was being teased as this adventure that Obi-Wan was going to go on, leaving Tatooine. Like, everyone was bitching, like, oh, everything has to happen on Tatooine. And then everyone in the show was saying, well, don't worry, we're not stuck on Tatooine during the show. And you're like, what? If there's one character that needs to be stuck on Tatooine, it's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. So the big question for me was always, how would they convince Obi-Wan to leave Luke unprotected? And I was actually pleasantly surprised with that answer, and that they brought in Leia and put her in trouble and that was the reason he left. So what did you think of like how they set up this story and how the story worked? I, I think that worked perfectly fine for me. I feel like it was a natural thing. I feel like that was the only thing important enough to get him off of Tatooine and away from Luke Yeah, was Leia. You know, if Leia's in danger, all right, I, I can't ignore that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I'm protecting these two kids the person who was protecting Leia needs my help in protecting her. Luke is not in danger. Leia is. I need to go help Leia because she is actively in danger. Yeah. While Luke is just here on the moisture farm drinking blue milk and, you know, waiting to learn about Tashi Station. You know? And I do That's like that it wasn't immediate. Like, as soon as Bale calls, Obi-Wan's just not like, okay, I'm ready to, like, let's go. Like, he's actively fighting against this. Right. And it takes a really good convincing job by Bale to get him to go. Like, I was I was good with the way that worked out. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, if there was going to be a reason, this needed to be the reason. Yeah. I can't think of another reason that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's what I mean. So I was, I was really curious how they're going to do it. I was very satisfied with what they set up and how this worked. One of the things I teased earlier, so I'll get to it now. So, uh, Stuart Beatty was one of the writers on the show. His contribution to the series, um, I caught an article from a website called The Direct, which I've never heard of, but I can, I'll link it in, in the episode description or the, the comments or something once this is up. Um, but they had an exclusive interview with Beatty where he, he gave what I thought were some interesting details. So apparently Beatty was hired to write the script for the first Obi-Wan movie. And I say first because he was originally pitched a trilogy of Obi-Wan movies. Now, he never actually worked on scripts for the two follow-up movies, but in the interview that he was giving, he talks about what his pitch was for the first two movies. So I'm going to read his quotes, and then we'll talk about it for a minute. Um, so he says, 
when I pitched my Obi-Wan story to Lucasfilm, I said there's actually three stories here because there's three different evolutions that character has to make in order to go from Obi-Wan to Ben. And the first one was the first movie, which was the show, which was surrender to the will of the force, transport your will, surrender your will, leave the kid alone. So then the second movie, he was thinking it would be about where Kenobi ends up. And one of the most powerful and probably the most powerful moment in all of Obi-Wan's story is the moment where he sacrifices himself in A New Hope. It's a great moment, you know, it makes you cry. But if you stop to think about it, it's a pretty sudden thing to just kind of go from fighting a guy to see Luke and then go, I'm going to die. So he's like, you know, that to me, that required forethought. That required pre-acceptance that this was going to happen. So he goes on to say that, so again, it's one of those universal things we all struggle with, to come to terms with our own mortality. So that was the second step of the evolution for me, that Obi-Wan now has to come to terms with his own, own mortality somehow in a prophecy or Qui-Gon telling him that there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to sacrifice yourself for the good. And then Obi-Wan is like, no, what? No, I'm, I'm here to help. I can't, I can't do that. And then you get him to a point where Obi-Wan has accepted the idea that he's going to die, that he's going to die willingly at a crucial moment and you know, that will be the moment that presents itself. So when that moment comes up in A New Hope, you understand. He's recognized that he's been on this journey already. He's waited for this moment. And now he's able to make it so easily. So to do the sacrifice and die. So that to me was the second evolution, the second film, the second story. For me, if I have anything to do with the second season of Obi-Wan, that's the character evolution I would take him on. That to me is a really interesting idea. So he never goes on to say what the third movie in this so-called pitched trilogy of his would be. Um, but as far as like the arc for the character, do you see that? Do you, would you like to see that? Does it sound good? I guess it's, you know, I don't know. Like, it's something that I don't necessarily think that I need to see happen to know it happened. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, but I understand like what he said, like the way the show ends, like Obi-Wan has seemingly returned like back to his prime like he's he's using the force again he's not he's still kind of hiding that he's a jedi but he's not actively just hiding in a cave and putting his head down and like he's a little bit more willing to help now so i understand sure. like the the leap that he has to make between that and a new hope because in a new hope the guy like the baby's right like he is there he's willing to help he's there to help and then realizes in the middle of helping that i'm better off dead Right, and and I think, at least to me, there's a portion of Ben's character that would have to say something along the lines of like, "Now, Vader's on to me. Vader yeah. knows I'm still out there. Knows I'm helping. Blah 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 blah." Yeah, you know I mean, like, and if anything, Vader would double down on trying to find him. Yeah. So. Well, that doesn't seem like that's where the show leaves Vader, though. Like, the way I interpreted the end of the show was that the Emperor basically said, forget about it, you're done. You listen to me. Yes. But Vader is not exactly known to be as subservient to Palpatine as Palpatine would like. I could, I could buy that, too. So... Is that rage all just going to go away because the Emperor said so? I, you know, I, I don't know. But also, 
Obi-Wan, from his perspective, doesn't know that that conversation happened. Right. And so does he think more along the lines of it's time to hunker down and, you know, now I've done this, should I hunker down even more because I've just angered him? Yeah. And he knows Anakin is going to do something stupid. Yeah. Because he's going to, like, go overboard. Maybe not something stupid, but he's going to have a big reaction to all the events that happened in his mind. I would think that's where Obi-Wan would believe the events to lead. Okay. So is it smart for Obi-Wan to go out there and continue doing things? Well, I think this, I mean, if it's something we can, I definitely want to bring up later, not really get bogged into it now, but if they, if they do another season, I feel like it's got to be something that's stuck on Tatooine. I don't see Obi-Wan spanning the galaxy and doing a bunch of other adventures now, even though he's taking a step back from the kids. I can't see him really still just like globe trotting around the galaxy and stuff like that. I I see him still at the very least just sitting in his hut and talking to Qui-Gon for a while, which I don't think is enough there to make a series or a movie or something like that, but that's so the interesting get, stuff at that point for me. We're going to get some Mandalorian prequel episodes is what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Just a yeah. little one off here and there just to catch up with Obi-Wan in the, in the time. What well, well no, 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 I mean like Obi-Wan series being a, a prequel to Mandalorian where he turns up and somehow you know that maybe there's something there that comes up because I mean they're on Tatooine he was on Tatooine you know you get what I'm saying no, like, I really don't hope I I <laughs> I I didn't think they were going to do it with the book of Boba Fett either and we got a third of that season was Mandalorian episode. Yeah, but so. I mean, like that. Take, we know that takes place at the same time period. We know they crossed paths before. Like th- that would just maybe maybe these are Ahsoka episodes. Ahsoka stuff gets drawn into this because we don't know where she's at during this time. No, but it's all. I think so. we're also left to assume that she's just been on her own doing her own thing for a while. I like. Granted, well, I would love fulcrum, to see. Right? Yes, but she's she's slowly building those rebel cells and stuff. But I also don't think like Obi-Wan was really actively involved in the rebellion at that point. So I don't see him really crossing paths with Ahsoka as much as I would love to see those two reunite on screen somewhere in this time period after all the events of like revenge of the Sith and all that stuff. But I don't, I don't know if we'll get that. I, again, I, we have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. I'm just going off of their track record of, of shows. That's all my guess is based on, I don't actually think there's a thread there for them to chase. But maybe, <laughs> I mean, maybe we get something to do with Kanan. Maybe Kanan meets up with him or, you know, like we don't, there could be ties into rebels and like, cause they, they, I guess there's a heavy assumption that the Ahsoka series is going to feature characters from rebels. Yeah. But um, I also think that's like quote unquote present day. Like whenever that takes place, not like bef- like prior to rebels or anything like that. Right. But maybe there, I don't know, maybe there's flashbacks about Kanan and I don't know, something. I'm just thinking they like, they, tie, they like to tie things together. Yeah. You know, I'm they just, like I'm, to interweave for, things. So from I'm my perspective, I think I'm, st- I'm still wanting them to just differentiate stuff. I'm, t- I'm starting to get tired of like how small the galaxy feels when they just start tying everybody in together in different series and stuff like that. Just crossing paths with the same people over and over again. Like, which is I really something want we can talk different. about with this. Yeah. And maybe I can pose that question to you, um, if that's okay. Okay. How did you feel about Reva being a youngling that escaped? I like that. 
only because okay. um I like we all we we've seen the Inquisitors pop up in other Star Wars stuff, Rebels specifically. And yeah. you always start to wonder like what's the story of the Inquisitors? Like how how do they get selected to serve under Darth Vader? Is he actively recruiting these people? Is he finding Jedi and turning them? Like what's what's the story? So this gives us a little bit more confirmation that that Reva started as a Jedi. She lost her way, and and for for very self motivated and revenge filled reasons, went to become an Inquisitor. Yeah, I don't necessarily think she lost her way. I think she just ran away from being murdered by Anakin and then yeah. wound up trying to find a plot to revenge for what. Well, he did. yeah, okay, that's that's fair. Yeah. I don't think she turned to a life of crime or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she was well, to doing get... any of that with anything in mind other than revenge. I mean, she's almost so... sort of like the secret undercover agent the whole time. Like, she's, right. she's granted, she's got her own motivations. She's not, like, on the good guys playing a bad guy. She's She just has one sole focus, and that's to kill Vader. So, right. to get to that point, she might have to have done some shady shit to get there. Right, but I don't think that that's necessarily... <sighs> Like, like to me, when you say like, "Oh, she lost her way," I think of like, "Oh, she left the Force and the Jet and the Jedi behind entirely." Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe by choice or something. Whereas it, they none of them left by choice. They were it was leave or be slaughtered. Right. Like it, it wasn't. So, I, like, I think like it sounds like uh, I don't want to put that on you for the yeah, choice yeah. of words, but it's like character defamation on her a little bit, where I don't think we have evidence of that. Yeah, all right. I think we I'll have evidence that, that yeah. she just wanted revenge and she had to do some dirty shit as an inquisitor. Yeah. To get closer to that revenge to be able to even have an audience with Vader. Because as far as we know, you know, the grand inquisitor and maybe the you know, the second and third brother and sister, depending on you know whoever at the time might actually yeah. get to speak to Vader. But if you're all the way down at like the ninth sister or the 12th brother or something like that, you're probably just cannon fodder to vader at that point and will you prove yourself kind of thing yeah so she had to work her way up by being ruthless to be able just to have any chance of getting close to him right so that was my thought on it was she wasn't a bad person she was doing what she did purely to get there and i think that's what culminates in her her ending with luke right she she can't pull the trigger when it's finally up to her. Yeah, because she's not that person. Yeah. She's, that's not who she actually is. She just, she lost herself to rage. Like, and I kind of, I like, like mm. I liked that arc, like what they gave her to do. I was actually a little bit disappointed that she lived. Like, I really thought if you go up against Vader and lose, you're, you're dead. Like, there's no coming back from that. But wasn't that like a distraction that helped her live, though? Wasn't it like the ship came in and shot at Vader or something? Wasn't that like how Not that a, fight ended? No. Like he stabs her just... and then the Grand Inquisitor walks in oh, and then they just kind they, of leave her for that's dead. That's right. That's right. They left her for dead. But yeah. I think that, and I'll, maybe I can draw you in on this one. Okay. And it's, and I'm going to go back to what the Sith are and what they believe in. And that is that pain makes you stronger. And he may not have intended to kill her, but put her in her place with pain. And that's why a lot of the Sith are scarred and deformed and all that, because they are very often maimed, 
you know, beaten, bruised, whatever, by greater Sith at the time, and that hatred within them and rage within them and then the pain added on top of it turns them into a greater Sith. But and we've sort of just established that, that she's motivation. not she's not a Sith though, is kind of what we established. She, she touches in the dark the side. Before the pain. She what? Before the pain, before the pain she wasn't. Maybe it was Vader's attempt to turn her fully. I don't know. I I to create that within her because I mean I'm just saying there's a lot of like physical pain that's associated with really becoming a true Sith. I get that, yeah. But I, I think, like, me interpreting that moment is that Vader doesn't give a shit about her. Like, he... Everyone be. is Maybe using... He... In, at that episode, everyone is using everybody else, right? Vader knows yeah. who she is and what she's doing. He's using her to get to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is using her to get away from Vader. Right. And she's it all comes Obi-Wan to a head when she realizes she's been played by everybody. So, like, I love that whole, like, chess match of a, of a, like, thing that's going on there with the story and all that stuff. Like, everybody's playing off of each other, and Reva's caught in the middle. So, and, yeah, I mean, and her character needed that, because yeah. that, that's what, episode four? That or five? was five, I think. That it, like, gets revealed that she was a youngling that... I think, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, so, like, up until that point, I genuinely was, like, not sure about this character as a as one of the inquisitors i was like this is i don't like this i didn't yeah. like the arc or where the character was going or her as what she was and then they added that twist in there and then it made her performance and everything from the previous four episodes that much better yeah but it was one of those things where it's like leading up to that i was like man this is not working for me <laughs> You know, like, I'm like, I don't understand why, but it's not working for me. And then they add that in, and I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. And p- but it you know, took so long to get there, it was like... Fucking poor, poor Moses Ingram was getting all kinds of shit online, because, you know, the quote-unquote fans, like, oh, to throw yeah, all that toxicity, all, any new Star Wars thing that doesn't appeal to them. Which, it's like, firstly, if you're watching something that doesn't appeal to you... Go watch something else. There are literally like thousands of hours worth of stuff out there that I'm sure you will enjoy. Go find something else. And like, secondly, and this is something I feel like I bring up all the time. Star Wars doesn't belong to you. Stop attacking the people responsible for making it because you don't own it. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Now, I I will be someone that says Star Wars to me belongs to one person, and that's George Lucas. Yeah. Yes. Disney can buy it all they want. It's his story, what he created and what he has allowed to spawn off of it that is star wars whether you like it or not yeah now will i say that dave filoni owns a lot of star wars himself at this time and can call a lot of it his yes and i'm hoping that some of these other creators we've seen get a chance to own just as much of it because some of them have been excellent bryce dallas howard i want her to make more and more and more of this so i think you know, the, the the people that say that the fans own something, no, we're just consuming it. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, do you own the food you eat? Until you eat it, maybe, I don't know, that's weird, it's not a good <laughs> analogy, but... <laughs> Everything falls the, apart. The point is, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't work, but... <laughs> I see where I you're going, the point is, I, I, is, I get is you, I'm with you. You don't, you don't own it. It's not your story to tell. It's your story to read, see, hear, whatever it is, but it's not your story to tell. Unless you're telling it. 
Okay. Either enjoy it or don't. And if you don't, criticizing the story is fine. Attacking people and the actors and the portrayal or anything like that is not. Yeah. Do not go after people. You can say that there's flaws in the story, flaws in their character, things like that. The actors themselves, when you're going after them, you're garbage yeah. if you're doing that. That's that's just bullshit. But uh yeah, I mean the the sort of I guess the point I was trying to make was that like her part of the stuff that she was getting leveled at was like no one likes Reva. Reva's not a great character, but she's made to be unlikable. You're not supposed to like her or sympathize with no. her until that episode, that twist. And like well, you said, that's think, when it all makes sense. And I think she did a great job in the show. Right. When that twist happened, everything made sense. Yeah. Because I did not like her as a villain because she did not work. She didn't seem actually evil. She just seemed angry. Yeah. And it didn't work. But then when you learn that she's faking it to get where she needs to get, it's like, that's a really great performance then. Yeah. Because it goes from... You know, like, oh, this is cringeworthy. She, she's not believable as a bad guy. To she's not supposed to be because she's really just not. Yeah. It was like, well, shit, that changes everything. And so maybe I'll sort of just ask you how you interpreted this because I've I've seen a couple of people that I've talked, just friends of mine that I've talked to that watch the show, <clears throat> that some people seem to, I guess, sort of be unsure maybe why she goes after Luke in the end, like. I guess how 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 do you interpret that? Because like at that point, does she know that Luke is Vader's son? Because I don't think she does. No, I don't think she knows necessarily that Luke is Vader's son. Just like I don't think she ever learns that Leia is Vader's daughter, does no. she? No, no, I don't think so either. So I don't think there's a connect there for her. But she also is mad at Obi Wan at this point. That's my interpretation. And she knows yes. Luke is important to Obi Wan. And that's her way to get revenge. The thing her whole character arc is about is she likes to go for revenge. That's her thing. Yeah. She tries to do it again, but when it's an innocent person, she can't bring herself to do it. Yeah. And that's that's the way I interpreted it, too, is that it's, it's strictly this is a means to get to Obi-Wan, which is, again, the whole reason Leia gets caught up in the whole thing. Not because she's Anakin's daughter, but because she's the daughter of Bale. And Obi-Wan knows Bale. Right. That's the through line. Same reason she goes after Luke is because this this the snippets she gets from that little communicator are tattooing Owen and Boy. And she remembers Owen on tattooing because she talked to him in the first episode. Right. So she makes all those connections and then she just she knows who she's hunting for and goes there to try to find him. Mm-hmm. So yes, okay, so we're on the same page. So that's at least, again, how we're interpreting it. I'm not saying we're completely right, but that's what I'm getting out of that scene. Yeah, I mean, the people who wrote it could tell you more specifically than <laughs> True. we could. Yeah. But th- th- that's what we're taking from it, so I think that's good. Um, I kind of want to spin back to Obi-Wan specifically, but what did you think of the... the we talked about it a little bit, but the, the character of Obi-Wan, did you like sort of where they took the character in this series? Um... Yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with Obi-Wan. You know, like, Obi-Wan cutting himself off from the Force made sense. Yeah. Because he, this is what most Jedi at this time did, because they didn't want to be hunted down and killed. Yeah. He had additional reasons on top of that, being yeah. Luke. So, 
you know, the idea of him cutting himself off from the force and it causing his powers to wane, you know, where he's not as strong as he once was, at least at the start. Yeah. That was made perfect sense. Um, the extent to which he had lost powers, you know, we don't really have a lot of context for what happens when a Jedi as powerful as Obi-Wan cuts himself off from the Force. There's not a lot of context as to what happens. All right, not context, but there's not a lot of um, precedent set yeah. to tell us what happens when an, a Jedi does that. We don't have another case to point to and say that that's what happens. I but argue that I think we kind of do. Who? And it's only because this is part of the thing that I love about what they did with Obi-Wan in the series, is they mirrored Luke from The Last Jedi. Like, both of them go through the same thing. Is Luke as powerful as Obi-Wan? I'd say they're up there. But the same thing happens. Like, Luke cuts himself off from the Force. They literally say almost the same line in their perspective movie. Like, Obi-Wan, when the the one Jedi comes to talk to Obi-Wan, he tells him along the same lines as Luke that it's time for the Jedi to end, or the time of the Jedi has come to the end. Something along those lines. So... I kind of love that all of the the fucking man baby fanboys that bitched about how Luke was portrayed in the Last Jedi, if they really love Obi Wan, they're probably bitching about the same stuff about this character that they did to him in this show because they do the same thing. Both of them have experienced immeasurable loss, and they believe it was their fault. So of course they're going to shut themselves off from the Force and just go into hiding because that's what this seems to do for these characters. Like I well, I, and I I think so. Leia and Luke are supposed to be ten here, correct? Is that or are they eight or? Yeah, because it's ten years after Revenge of the Sith. They were born in Revenge of the Sith, so yes, ten-ish years old. Whereas Luke cut himself off for almost twice that time or longer, correct? Like it was much. It was much longer than what Obi Wan cut himself off for. Well, they would have. Well, I I guess I don't know when in the timeline, um, like Kylo Ren turns. Right. It's it's thirty ish years after like between Revenge of the or uh Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. I'd say maybe somewhere in the middle, just to round it. So okay, 15 so maybe years-ish. it's so yeah, a little, a little bit, bit longer. longer. Yeah, almost all. Yeah, I'd, I'd give you and almost guess, twice as long. I you know, in not to argue on their behalf in this because I think they're wrong, and I genuinely love Last Jedi, but it, on in their defense, Obi Wan had reasons for doing it that was a real external threat where he right. couldn't be seen using the force. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas Luke just chose to do it. And if somebody saw him use the force, they'd be like, yeah, no shit. That's Luke Skywalker. Of course he can use the force. No, nobody would question it. If they saw Luke using the force, there wouldn't be a galaxy wide search saying, Oh, we saw Luke using the force on, um, Octo, yeah. you know, it, not that like he was hiding, yes, but that was by choice. He did not have to go into hiding. Right. Okay. He chose to exile himself, whereas Obi Wan was forced. I think that's the difference that they'll point to in their argument. I don't think they're correct in saying that you know that portrayal of Luke was bad. Yeah. But there, I think there is a definite difference between the two. Okay. Thematically, at least. Right. I I mean, I still think 
not to like split hairs, but I, I, that I feel like my point still stands. And I think just the, the mirror that the two of them go through, I think is, is valid. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it, the arc that Obi-Wan starts with, I think gives more, more, uh, like, uh, precedence and, and, uh, weight to Luke's character arc in the last Jedi. And I like that those kind of mirror each other. Yeah, and, and I guess back to what I was originally saying about it is that I don't think, even with Luke, we necessarily get to see what Luke's transformation back to using the Force is like, the way that yeah. we do with Obi-Wan here. Whereas right. Luke, we don't really get to see full-on really go for it. He just puts a projection of himself out there is what we see him do. I mean, I'd say that's a, really going for it. It is, but it also kills him. Right. So like he goes for it so hard that it kills him. <laughs> like, right. But with Obi-Wan, I guess like so it's some of the things I noticed is that like we see him trot away from danger as opposed to, you know, Jedi can run really fast when they choose to. And we see him use that several times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing where like we see him not able to. use, And I would think that's a fairly basic ability that a Jedi would have is just speed jumping high things like that seem to be like pretty much any jedi can pull that off yeah it's the more complicated things of the force that are tougher but even the basic stuff we see him struggling with but again i don't have a problem with that because we don't have a baseline to compare it against we don't yeah. have the evidence of somebody cutting themselves off and then magically the next day able to use it again so i found it interesting i guess yeah in watching him recover all those things right yeah, I I really liked what they did with it. Like, again, I think it's a slow burn of a show for him, but where where he starts and his gradual, sort of like you're saying, the gradual reacceptance of the Force and being able to do Jedi things again. Like, you're you're the whole time really you're just waiting for him to to turn on his lightsaber. So we don't get that until like episode three, I think. Right. So. They oh. they really make you wait for that too, which and finally once all the lightsaber shit starts, all that stuff is awesome. I loved all that stuff too. Yeah, but and thankfully, speaking of lightsaber shit, we did not get any of the one dumb thing the Inquisitors do, and that's fly oh, yes. with yes. their stupid spinning lightsabers. We, it's bad enough in animation. I don't want to see cool, it in live action. But the helicopter would have been really fucking stupid, and yeah. they didn't do it. So that's good. <laughs> Hopefully, they're learning. Um, another thing I'm going to ask, uh, what did you think of them bringing back Darth Vader? In what context? I mean, just of course they were going to bring being back involved Vader, in the show and like what they do with Vader. You mean, in this. you mean Hayden or just Vader? Well, I guess both. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's Hayden coming back or just having the character of Darth Vader. Cause this is going to lead to my next question, which is, I know there's been some contention on the internet about it, but having Obi-Wan Vader and even really Leia all cross paths before episode four. Does this somehow disrupt the continuity at all for you? I think they towed that line perfectly, personally. Like, I feel like they really towed that line. Yeah. Of, we're going, you know, like kind of like they're going to interpret the text in what was said very literally and directly. And not in, like, not make anything contradictory to yeah. a new hope and what is said, but they're going to go right up to that point and just not cross that line in the sand. They're going to look at it and they're going to touch that line, but they're not going to cross it. And I think they did a really good job of that personally. Yeah. Where 
I don't think they did anything that breaks canon. I I agree. I think there's a lot of stuff that like everyone was pointing at the conversation between Vader and Ben on the Death Star. Like you know, when I left you, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. It's like, well, if they fight again, the you know that he he was the master then. No, it this show clearly shows you that Anakin is still learning. He has never graduated past Obi Wan. And, and and yeah, like he doesn't. It, he never beats Obi Wan ever. Yes. Obi-Wan chooses to allow him to win. And I think that goes to a lot of what people have said and what I've felt for a long time is that Obi-Wan is probably the most powerful Jedi that we have seen or heard about. I definitely think after the show, he, he's bumped up some people's power levels for for the like the ranking of Jedi power levels. Well, he just doesn't lose. You, you get my, like, he... Well, the only thing I'm, I what about the the confrontation they had in episode in the third episode where Vader rakes him across burning coals? Would you call that a Vader? He win, was still getting or... his powers back at that point, though he was not back to himself yet. I'd still call that Vader, Vader getting the upper hand on that one, though. Oh, it's absolutely a Vader win, but it, you know, I mean, that would be like saying, you know, if Obi Wan started a new fight with Vader the day that he got his new legs, would it really be an Obi-Wan win? You know, like it's as Vader's learning how to control the force again without the use of his real hands. I mean, you could put an asterisk next to that, but I'd probably still consider that a win. Yeah, it's a win. Right. But we're Barry Bonds in this. It's an asterisk. <laughs> it's it's 100% an asterisk to me because he's just not there. He's not at his usual self. Yeah. So, like, is that him truly beating Obi-Wan? No. Okay. But it's him taking advantage and doing the Sith thing and trying to kill him at his weakest, which the Sith would not care about to them. That's as much a victory as killing him at their strongest, because they're the Sith. They don't care. Winning is all that matters. Yeah. An inch or a mile. It does, you know, winning's winning. Um, And Han told him so, because he's the third brother or whatever. So, <laughs> second brother, whatever he was. Fifth brother. He was the fifth brother. Okay. I think. I think that's it's... what I put in my like, house list. One of the brothers. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the case. Um, in in terms of them bringing Vader back for this, I again, I think we covered a lot of that. I think it's well done. I think the only part of it that didn't work for me wasn't necessarily bringing Vader back. It was the Anakin parts where Hayden definitely, they. I don't know why they didn't de-age him a little more. Because okay. they weren't going back to Revenge of the Sith Anakin. They were going all the way back to Attack of the Clones Anakin. Because he still had uh, the his... the flashback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the flashback stuff with Anakin. You know, he still has his braid and his ponytail. And it's like, man, he looks like, you know, that Steve Buscemi meme. Like, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> and it, it, it just... <laughs> I feel like they were part of that fight where it did look like they de-aged him. And then other times they'd look like they didn't. So I felt like it was a lot of back and forth for me. I'd have to watch it. I guess the parts where he wasn't st stood out so much yeah. for me that yeah. I don't recall the others, but yeah, like it just, it, it looked like an old guy trying to look like a young kid and it was <laughs> weird. It, like it weirded me out a little bit. It still worked as a scene and it got their point across. Oh, those are my favorite ones. Like I, I loved seeing just that setting and those guys in those costumes just sparring right. that all of that was just, I was gleeful. Which is something that you can say for Ewan. They didn't really have to do much. <laughs> Ewan still oh, yeah. kind of looks yeah. the same.
but he he was older when they made those movies than Hayden, I assume, right? Yeah. He was probably a good bit older, I, I would guess. I would think, yeah. I don't know what the ages were, but yes, I think so. Um, So him looking more the same is more predictable. But um, the performance that they put forward like i'm gonna like i can't even just say hayden because it was also james earl jones that was one of the best things i've seen in star wars is when the masks cut in half and we're hearing you know part of hayden part of james earl jones you know that voice is going back and forth between the mask versus the real person underneath it that was awesome it was also stolen straight out of rebels yeah I was um, thinking that too, but at the same time, it's it, still powerful. It, yeah, that's the thing. Is as much as it's a, a rehash and a copy of a specific scene from Rebels that hits just as hard with the characters involved. Like this, almost needed to happen for Obi Wan's character arc and his closure for Vader and all that stuff. Like that, the emotional moments you get out of even doing it twice, almost identically the same way, it yeah. just fucking works. So you, and, I can't even be upset about it because it's so good at both both scenarios. And and I think in this case they did a better job of it than they did the first time around. Not in terms of I guess the weight of the Rebels episode still hits me harder. Yeah, because just in total, I've spent more time with Ahsoka and Anakin than with Obi Wan and Anakin. Right. Um, but. I feel like this time, you know, that time around, it's just her finding out for 100% sure, yes, it was Anakin. Yeah, like, there is no doubt anymore. I can't act like I don't know. I can't, you know, there's none of that. It's definitely Anakin shit and all that extra weight that comes onto her for that. But what they did here was they took it that next step in separating Vader from Anakin. For the oh, character yeah. seeing it, which I think I feel like you know separating that where Vader and Anakin are now not the same in Obi Wan's eyes, which you know it, it's also Anakin's changes gone. changes the line of dialogue a little bit for what Obi Wan tells Luke. Right, Vader betrayed and murdered your father. Doesn't change it. It's still the same. Well, I mean it 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 makes it a little bit more true from his point of view instead yes. of just a lie that he tells Luke to save him from the truth. Right, it's not a lie. He's telling him the truth. He's just not telling him the whole truth. Right. So, yeah, it it makes it a more interesting line. I yeah, I guess you could say like it's yeah. it's a better line now. And as far as like some of the some of the like continuity stuff that I feel like we talked about it before, I think it does toe the line between what cracks the continuity and what still le- the the only thing that's going to bug me now, I think, on top of everything else. Well, I'm cool with basically everything except now. I feel like when you watch A New Hope and Ben dies, that you should get more of a reaction from Leia. That's the only thing that's going to bug me going forward. Does she see it? She's not there, but she knows he dies. She comforts Luke. Okay. Who, who at that yeah, point, you're like, right, right. Obi-Wan saves like, Leia's life when happen, she's a kid. She so Yeah, when she hears about it, she doesn't freak out as much right now me, i i really also thought like the... watching watching the, sh- the show that halfway through when when obi-wan goes to rescue leia he only refers to himself as ben i really thought that was how they were going to get around that was that leia would think obi-wan and ben 
are two separate people, right? Ben mm-hmm. rescued her. When she calls for Obi-Wan's help, she just thinks it's someone else. She doesn't realize it's the same person. But Some eventually, other Kenobi. Well, I don't even think she... Again, in this show, if Obi-Wan only refers to himself as Ben, never even giving her his last name. Oh, true. Okay. That she she could possibly go as never realizing they're the same person. So when she calls for help from well, Obi-Wan never, Kenobi... You haven't seen, she never sees Ben or even has contact with him in A New Hope, right? Like she, she never even like actually sees him because when they go to rescue her on the Death Star, he's off doing the thing for uh, the right. shields. Yeah, so they never actually come face to face. That's true. I think she sees him maybe fighting Vader, but that's probably it. Yeah. So yeah, but I I you know I really thought that was going to be their their get out of like their retcon was that she only knows him as Ben, and then when they meet it in A New Hope as Obi Wan that maybe she finally would connect the dots or just be oblivious. And that's why she's not as torn up or doesn't really realize what's going on. But because the show eventually establishes that she gets his name, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like then I, f- I feel like there should be more weight to his death for her in the movie. But again, yeah. I can forgive it. The movie was made 50 years or 45 years or whatever it is before this came out. So there's no way they could have led the breadcrumbs for that. So right. I could forgive little details like that, but that's the one the one little continuity thing that I think will will bug me just a little bit. See, for me, the one that I was thinking about that irked me a little is now the whole Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi recording is going to feel really, really disconnected and impersonal. When she's like, oh, you served years ago, you served my father in the Clone <laughs> right. Wars. And it's like... You fucking saved me from being kidnapped. <laughs> hey, remember Hello? me? Remember me? I'm all grown up now. Hello. You know, like, leaving that completely out of that discussion, like, hey, you remember me? We met. You helped me before. Help me again. Yeah. You're our only hope. Yeah, the message could it's change It's going to feel slightly. impersonal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to feel impersonal. That's all. It, where, where it should feel much more personal than it will now. Um. One other thing I want to bring up for the for the finale like fight between Obi-Wan and Vader, and this is just my initial gut reaction to the fight, was why doesn't Obi-Wan kill Vader in that moment? And I've come to an answer, but I'll just kind of ask you first and, and you know, what you think of that moment. Because Obi-Wan beats Darth Vader. Presumably, he could have finished him off right there, and instead he just walks away and leaves Vader to fight another day. So what what do you think? about that moment and Obi-Wan just kind of leaving him go. You know, in Revenge of the Sith, when it happens, it's like that at that moment he's getting over the loss of his best friend, of his closest ally, of the person, you know, of his student, of his like everything. Like Anakin was a lot of Obi-Wan's world. Yeah. And he just had to maim him and he's getting over that. And he's figuring he's going to die anyways in that moment. Right. And he's literally seeing him burn alive. So I would think that, yes, I'm not going to do the killing blow. He's on fire. I will walk away. Right. Like, I don't need to be sadistic about this. It's done. My job is done. And he generally, you know, like, even if it's not done, done, it's like, it's done. I've done everything I can. This is, you know, because of how close they were. In this case... That did piss me off. <laughs> um, it, and if this was the first time that he did it, it would be like, okay, 
he's going through all those emotions that he went through in Revenge of the Sith, he already went through this. He's witnessed what Anakin turning into Vader and becoming this has caused, and he's witnessed the rise of the Empire at the feet and the power of Anakin being, you know, leading the charge for the Emperor and all this. Leaving him alive a second time pissed me off. It didn't make sense for him to beat him that badly. You know, I mean, if it was he beat him, but Vader flees. Right. As opposed to laying there maimed again and, you know, unable to fight back again. And Obi-Wan leaves him alive again to wreak more havoc on the Earth and eventually take part in and help blow up an entire planet again. Well, not again, but for the first time in right. on, in that case. But it's like, yeah, that one that one bugs me. But let's hear your reason. I'm interested. Well, yeah, because you know, at the same time, you're Spray watching me. the fight and you realize that both of them come out of it. So how are they going to finish that fight? And I think part of it is, it's not. I, I do think uh, Obi Wan is going through a little bit of the same arc that Ahsoka does, right? That there, even though he might think it's Anakin under there, it's not until you see Anakin under the mask that it connects the dots and solidifies that oh shit, it's him. And I in feel that like moment, Obi Wan has more evidence than Ahsoka. Though. Probably, probably, but yeah, I mean, he watched him kill younglings. the The amount of emotion that Ewan gives in that moment to me just feels like such a closure and confirmation for that character. Like he gets to close that part of him. He gets to apologize to Anakin and try to make amends and see if there's anything in there that's redeemable. At that point, he finds out it's not. Anakin's, like Vader says, Anakin's gone. And the only thing that kind of makes sense to me, I guess, is that killing someone in that fashion is not the Jedi way, right? That would be something that could lead Obi-Wan down the dark side, and he doesn't want to do that. So his solution is to to just separate himself and be done. I mean, yeah, but the Jedi kind of aren't a thing anymore, you know? Like, it's, it's one either, of those things even where still, it's really he's tough He's still for following to... the Jedi code. Like, Obi-Wan is the one person that does that but code. But isn't the Jedi code to bring them for trial and justice? And he can't even do that anymore because the trial would be held by people that Vader controls. Well, fair. But there is no court to try them. I feel like that you know the one Jedi that I always feel like has his emotions in check for the most part. Like he, there's certain areas where he he lets himself go a little bit, but never far enough to go to the to the dark side. Obi Wan is that guy, and I think had he finished that fight, it could have led him to a place where he doesn't want to go. So he just removes himself from that situation. Man, I I get what you're saying, but I feel like that's. To me, that's a stretch to justify it for a second time. Yeah. Because he apologizes the first time, too. Like, I'm sorry, I failed you, Anakin. Like, he says it the first time. Like, it's... I don't know. Like, it... But I think part of the... Part I of the, struggle with it. The show is the, the, the realization from Obi-Wan and the acceptance that Anakin's still alive. Right? Up until the second episode of the show, he is presumed dead to Obi-Wan. Like, there is the reveal in the second episode when Reva tells him that Anakin Skywalker's alive. Vader's alive. So from that moment on, he needs the confirmation that this is his still his friend and that he cannot be saved. Like, I, I still think there's a glimmer of hope in there for no, him. No, no. Like, I think he's trying to rescue Anakin still until that Absolutely. moment. Absolutely. Uh, but once that moment happens, though, he's still... 
Yeah, because again, my gut reaction was he should know how evil this person is and the Jedi should be stopping evil. But again, the retcon is you can't kill either of those characters because they're they're around later. So Oh no, right, which to me means they should have like it for me personally, I would have handled the scene differently. But they wanted to recreate that thing from Rebels. Yeah. So they had to have his mask pop, and once his mask pops, he's gonna struggle breathing. So that you know, it leads you down a rabbit hole of like where things have to go. Yeah. Whereas I would have preferred them not give that scene, but have Vader himself just confirm it in dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, again, have Anakin just flee once he's beaten. Have right. him, you know, hurt, injured, whatever, but have him just flee. Or have him have the Emperor pop down and, you know, like pick him up again or I, I don't know, some, something. Something yeah, I, that makes either Obi-Wan flee the scene because the Emperor shows up and he can't take them both or Vader flee the scene because he's injured and wants to get away. I, I will agree. I think there's probably better ways to do it that would not leave you hanging as much there, but I do, I would, that's how I justify it, I guess, is that, that Obi-Wan's keeping to the, either the Jedi code or just the light side of the force and he's, he's, accepting what has happened and is moving on like that's his from his perspective as a character that's his closure i'm not saying that i like i think you're right about the intentions of the writing of it yeah i just don't like it <laughs> fair enough <laughs> like that's all i'm not saying you're wrong i'm you're correct but i don't i don't like it um so. let's kind of rapid fire some uh moments that stuck out to you so what are what are some moments that stood out for you for you from the show um Anything personally i about like Vivian Blair was fantastic yes. as Leia. Yeah. Um, that you know that kid is, you know the the, the kid she's playing the the young version of Leia is a smartass just like Leia, mm-hmm. and I love the way that she is portrayed. I thought that was great. I love the like subtle force abilities that she uses. Like that, yeah, they basically like, make her like an empath. She can read people. Yeah, it, it, it's wonderful. Like it, the way that character was handled was. Great. Yeah. Um, Kumail was okay, if not predictable, <laughs> in everything that was going to go on there. I still liked help it. But be like so excited for him as a person. Like, I know how much of a Star Wars fan Kumail is, and he is acting opposite Ewan McGregor as fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, yeah. he has to be losing his shit every time he's like reading and doing a scene with him. Like, that's got to be so awesome. I, I mean, I know what it would be like for me and. So for him, yeah, I need to change a pants every time. You know, I, I don't know about that far, <laughs> uh, but I, I think um, some of the things we didn't talk about, uh, Rupert friend was good as the grand inquisitor. It's it, you know, when I watched the trailers, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the look of it. It was fine. Yeah. I don't think it was great, but it was fine. Um, I think he did a pretty good, like, like I could, I could connect the dots from him to Jason Isaac's character in Rebels. Like I could, the, yeah. the mannerisms, the the way he talks, like all of that worked for me. Yeah, it, like the, there was nothing wrong with the way he acted. It, it yeah. was just the visual effect on the character oh, right. yeah, was yeah, a little yeah. bit off. Like it had nothing to do with him. He did great. It was just, I don't know why they changed the visual effect. It didn't make sense to me. Was there um, a little bit of like stunned moment for you when he gets stabbed in the second episode? I was pissed. I was like, wait, they're going to retcon that? 
of all damn things. Yeah. Like, that was a huge moment for Rebels, and then it, it was like, okay. when he, Like, I was like, there's no way. Like, part of me the whole time is like, he's coming back eventually. They wouldn't screw Rebels up. Rebels is too recent for them to fuck with it that much. Anyone that watched Rebels, you're immediately like, okay, either he's coming back, or there's an Inquisitor that looks just like him that has to show up sometime later. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't the same, and then it would have been like, oh, so the the visual effects weren't off then. It, it's just a different Powin version of oh, the, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think, I guess a lot to what I said, I'll try and hit on, um, well, no, you said moments that stand out, so I'll, I'll try to stick to that, and then I'll hit on what I was talking about before spoilers in a moment. Um, other moments that stood out, you know, I actually don't really have any others that really, like, <laughs> stood out. Jimmy Smith was awesome, but he's always awesome, so yeah, I, I don't really have any other surprises or disappointments in terms of, like, things standing out it was mostly solid performances but i didn't think that there was anything performance wise other than leia that i was thoroughly impressed by i mean i thought ewan did a fucking fantastic job like all the he has so many good just character moments in this show just like looks that he gives or or subtle ways that he delivers dialogue like a lot of his emotional scenes hit me very very hard and i yeah. enjoyed that a lot yeah i mean i guess for me that's like it's just so expected, and I'm so used to him doing such a damn good job at this point that it's like you you almost don't even notice it for me at least. Like I know, it's like, I, he, I already knew he was going to be great. So yeah, I mean, he gives such a good performance in the prequels when everyone else around him is kind of flat, and I blame Lucas for that. Lucas is not an oh, actor's yeah. director, and he can't no. write dialogue very well. So I think the the actors and performances suffer for that in this show. I think. Ewan gets very good dialogue and he has a director that maybe knows how to handle actors and how to get the most out of a scene. And I think it shows very much. Yeah. Um, we talked about it, but I loved the flashback sequence in it with the episode two stuff with Obi-Wan and Anakin that fucking blew my mind when that happened. Um, the, the force powers aspect of it between Obi-Wan using the force that, that seems like he's really overpowered now too, and probably jumped up some power rankings. Like, Vader's force powers too felt like out of the Force Unleashed video game, and I fucking loved it. Like when he shows up and grabs that ship trying to fly away and just starts ripping it apart, I was like, "This is this is what I want from Vader." He, and the right. way he fight Reva at, after that scene, like he doesn't ignite his lightsaber for halfway through that fight. No, he just blocks it. He just and and this is something that we needed to see from Vader because yeah. there has to be some reason Vader is able to take over an entire galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, you know, like, the Emperor's pulling the political strings, but he never once uses himself as a hammer. Yeah. He uses Vader as a hammer and his ability with the Force. Even yeah. if the Emperor's actually stronger with the Force than Vader is, he uses Vader as that tool, and, you know, we got, like, that hint of how badass Vader can be in Rogue One, and that was awesome to see him just annihilate people. But they weren't force users. They weren't a threat to him ever. Yeah. Here we see him take down a force user that is attacking him with a lightsaber, and he's blocking it with the force. He's yeah. not deflecting with a lightsaber. He's blocking lightsaber with the force. So starting to see an expansion of that, and maybe like... Like, we do see him... There, there, there is a moment, a lot of people forget about it, 
but in Empire when he deflects the blaster bolts. Oh, right. At the, at the table. Know? The dinner. Right. And it's just like, yeah, just get this shit out of here. Yeah. He doesn't even use his lightsaber or nothing. He just deflects it with his hands. So seeing him do something like that again, and I think it's something where, like, perhaps not having his real hands underneath those gloves emboldens <laughs> him to start trying it. Maybe. And that's why he does it, because it's, like, that's what I was thinking, like, if my real hands weren't under there and they could just be rebuilt if I screw it up, I'd, I'd test that out, too. True, yeah. So, and, you know, he was always known, Anakin, to push his limits. Yeah. So. And I loved how, like, straight-up terrifying Vader was in this. Like, when he makes his entrance in that third episode, when he's strolling through the town, yeah. all of that is great. And I, that scene specifically, like, the when... They're trying to get through the tunnel. The tunnel pops open. And then when Obi-Wan feels Vader hit the ground, like he goes through such a shock. And I just loved the way they directed that little scene like that. When he feels the hatred and the dark side and let stuff hit the ground and realizes it's Anakin at that moment. Like that's so cool. I agree. Um, the only other moment that kind of sticks out to me is seeing Qui-Gon again. Like they, they oh, tease yeah. that so much through the, through the series I was curious when they were going to go there. Not if, but it was just a matter of time of when they were going to hit that part. So they teased it to the very bitter end. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy they did. They brought uh, Liam Neeson back. I love the line about him being there the whole time, but Obi-Wan just wasn't ready to see him yet. All of that was great. So I, yeah. I love that little cherry on the top at the end of the series. That's something that had they not done would have pissed me off. <laughs> because... It's something that they tease at the end of Phantom Menace that is never touched on. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, never touched on. And now they're going to do it. Like, if this was your chance to do this, you yeah. have to do it now. Like, and this is an easy, you have six episodes. It's got to fit in there somewhere. Yeah. Um. So it was really great to see. I would have liked it to have been a more powerful moment or a more powerful like i didn't feel like it carried the weight i was hoping it was going to yeah i mean it's really just an easter egg the cameo type of thing like here he is here you wanted him here he's got three lines see ya yeah like i i would have liked it to have been more i like i said more weight to it something um i have one other moment and it's only maybe just because it's a possible star wars expanded universe easter egg and i don't know if you caught this so i'm gonna run through it for you uh, my buddy texted me and saw something caught on the internet, and he I completely missed it. Um, but for for fans of some of the legends lore, I don't know if this is planting a seed or just like, hey, this is fun that we put it in here. But the the family that Haja helps escape the Empire in the second episode, it's a mother and a force sensitive child. Do you know where I'm going with this? Did you catch any of this stuff? Um, I did, but I. <sighs> I couldn't a hundred percent place it, but I felt like I seen it after. So the 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 child actor is credited as playing a character named Corin. Uh, the actress that plays his mom is credited as as is it Nitch or Nitch, N Y C H E. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, that could go any number. They don't say it. I don't think so. No, they it, never call yeah. them by name. So they're just in the credits. Um, through Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Uh, it confirms that that family's last name is Horn, meaning we just met Corin Horn, which I don't know how much you know about him from the expanded universe, but he was he was a pilot with Rogue Squadron, flew with Luke Skywalker. Eventually, he was force sensitive. Luke found out, convinced him to train, 
Uh, Corrin had a long history as a pilot in the, and a Jedi in the Expanded Universe, which is now the Legends canon. Right. But he was in a lot of the Rogue Squadron books. He has a book that is first person for his character called I, Jedi, where he starts to train with Luke. Oh, okay. um, and you know, goes through the whole new one. Jedi order books and shows up, uh, in a lot of the series after that. Like he has a very long history in the expanded universe as a character, as a Jedi pilot, like all that stuff. So I don't know if the age difference, like they're introducing him in like the prequel era stuff, which he was not born. I don't think until like after, um, episode four, I think. I don't. I thought it said. Oh no, no. You know what? No, I am. I am incorrect. The date I saw was eighteen BBY, which would have been before the Battle of Yavin. So right. maybe they are putting him in the right time frame. So either yeah, way, that so that be, could be a fun little Easter egg. I don't know if they're going to do anything with it, but for anybody that that knows their expanded universe lore, Corn Horn may have just been introduced in the show, which is kind of cool. And the one I had seen that I like, it was like teased as a spoiler and a you know a leak or whatever that didn't happen and i'm so fucking glad it didn't would have been like a cool tease or a cool thing to throw in the side but they were like playing it like oh this person might show up as a um a bigger character playing a bigger role in the series than you think and that was cameron monahan oh yeah it was gonna be cal kestis playing some kind of major role in this and i was just like no don't want it let him be his own thing yeah it's cool his story's cool but let's keep them separate um that would that would not have been something i wanted to see but i saw it ahead of time and i was like i didn't want to tell you but i was holding back <laughs> on it like i really hope this is wrong and i'm really glad that it was yeah um you said you had something else you want to get to that was just what i was talking about on stuff that i thought could be cut when okay. i said this would make a better movie um you can cut about five different chase scenes totaling probably <laughs> 45 minutes um where it's all just leia being chased I feel yeah. like we had that for how many episodes where Leia's running away from something. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that whole side storyline, you know, with um, Tala and all that, like, we didn't need that. We could have had Obi-Wan fleeing, you know, the Inquisitor's invader. Still got Obi-Wan, Leia, Vader, and the Inquisitor's and uh, Reva's story all played out and had that core central part of the story take place over two and a half hours yeah with literally all the other crap not crap what like again it was good content but it was unnecessary to the arc and development of obi-wan i felt i didn't Fair. feel like anything that happened there needed to happen for him yeah yeah, yeah. so um and i feel like it took up a lot of the time yeah yeah i can see that i'm sure someone somewhere Given time, you know, you could see a two and a half hour Obi Wan Kenobi movie cut somewhere and thrown up on YouTube or online somewhere. You just gave me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I've seen a lot of people talk about uh, given how how well the show was received and what we got out of it and stuff, people are now seemingly calling for a second season. Uh, how do you feel about a second season? Would you like to see one, or you think this is good as is? See, this is where part of me's torn is I want to see more you and his Obi-Wan, but I think this story is good. I think we can leave it off where it's at and not need anything else for this character. Yes, I very much agree. So I think they tied the series up very, very well. I think I think I like the arc that we go on through this series and I think it ends very well as much as I want to see more of just like really just Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talking in his hut. Like I would watch the show of that, but 
Make it a it, podcast. Yeah, we we don't need to have that show. Like, I I yeah, I think I think Ewan again does a fucking fantastic job, and he does so good with this character that of course I want to see more of him in this, as this character. But I just don't know one if there's a story there, and if it would justify a full on another season. Like everybody has talked about this being a limited series. This is it, six episodes. So they really got to come up with a good story if they're going to do a second season. I think something I would personally love to see them attempt and can it if it's not going to work. Okay. Take Ewan. Take Hayden. Take Rosario Dawson. De-age them and give us a proper live action Clone Wars something. You know, they, like it doesn't give us a new story from the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you have uh, Tamira Morrison who you don't really have to de-age, but you can de-age him a little bit to be Rex and Cody. And well, the list is very long of the people who would be in that, but basically Rex. I mean, that's the character you care about the most from the clones. That's the most significant character. So give us that core for in a clone Wars movie de-aged a little bit, or maybe not even movie, but show a six episode show or something. Even if it's just, an episode of the Ahsoka series. <laughs> I would love to see it. Just, yeah, see just them... seeing those characters in live action together would be really cool. I yeah. I highly doubt they'll do it, but I'm with you. I'd like to see it. I, I, I mean, you'd get Ewan done up in the full General Kenobi getup where he has <laughs> like the, the armor on. Yeah, and yeah. That would just be fucking cool. Yeah. So if we're going to, and again, this isn't necessarily that I think they have to do it or should, I would love to see it, but if they're going to do something more with you and his Obi-Wan, I would prefer it be that than to extend this series out right. for just money reasons. Yeah. That, I mean, I don't think there's a thematic reason to do it. I think yeah. it would be purely yeah. based on money. Um, last question I'm going to hit you with. Uh, the other thing the internet is is tossing out there is because of Vader in the show that they really think that we need a Vader, Vader series after this. So how, how do you feel about that idea? Yay, nay. How could that work? Um, I mean, it depends on what route they want to take, but Vader hunting down Jedi brings star killer into it. Fuck. Yes. I'm there. <laughs> um, I, like, honestly, if you can get me Sam Witwer live action into this as star killer which if you ask he will fly to the moon and back to do it i'm there, there's no doubt in my mind sam whitworth's 100 percent in if they ask him <laughs> to be star killer for real which he already has been because that was all motion capture and shit that he did anyways right right but let him be live action and let's see star killer and let's see obviously they're gonna have to change the arc of the character because in the video game they change yeah i mean like it things happen yeah the end of that video game has him being victorious which well it goes either way depending on how you make decisions you see both endings that's right yeah but i would love to see that and have him have a point at which we see vader ditch the inquisitor program and decide or maybe create the inquisitor program because star killer doesn't work out yeah one or the other either ditch it or create it because of star killer yeah, I'm a little torn. Like, I, I really, like, the Vader action sequences, like, you know, everything uh, on par with, like, Rogue One, like, the Rogue One scene, the hallway scene, all that stuff, I I 
dig all of that. I love what they're doing with the character, how they choreograph the fights with all that stuff. That's what I want to see in a Vader series. I really don't want to put Vader center stage in the series and start to try to feel sympathetic for the character. Like at this point in time, I want Vader to just be terrifying and killing people. Like that's what I want. So I don't really think I want a Vader series, but if they go that route, and I've said this for years, I think they do it where you're not following Vader, where Vader is the antagonist that shows up like the Terminator, like you're, you're following a, and this could sort of go in line with your, uh, uh, creating the inquisitor program or possibly not just the program, but how he would recruit a inquisitor or two is my pitch for the story is like, you start out with like a group of five Jedi, you're following them. And at the end of each episode or somewhere during each episode, Vader just pops up like he's hunting them and just picks one of them off each episode until you get to the end. And there's one left and they have this big climactic battle the the last Jedi that's left has seen Vader kill their friends in front of them every time to the point where they're on the verge of turning to the dark side. So not only does he defeat them, but he flips them and turns them into an Inquisitor by the end. Whether or not that's the first Inquisitor or just a Inquisitor in the line. And that granted, that's a very dark show. It does not end on a happy note. So I don't know if they would actually do that. But in my mind, that would be a really f- cool show. And... I don't know what, like, the story or character arc would be for that, because any character you follow, in my mind, would be dead by the end of the series. So how do you get invested with people that are eventually just going to die, and it ends pretty bleak? And really, in my mind, all I'm thinking of visually is the really cool action sequences you could get with Vader fighting different groups of Jedis through the series and just wiping them out. Like, just playing with them and wiping the floor with them as, as he goes. That, to me, is what's exciting. So I don't know where they go with the characters for something like that, but which to me I mean, means I doubt they do it because I don't think there's very much room to, to do anything there. But in my mind, that's what sounds exciting to me. It, it could take the Force Unleashed route to remove Starkiller from the equation and go your route where you're hunting down Shakti on Felucia. You're hunting down... This uh, uh, like take know, the uh, the levels out of the game and put them or, in his, like well, episodes. Maybe, maybe not levels, but the the Jedi that he hunts down. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, like, wait, there's like the the general or the colonel or whatever the guy is that was like the first boss, and then you have all these different Jedi that you hunt down through that that survive that we don't see die. Right. In Order sixty six, that maybe some of them are more important than others, um, and track them down. Yeah, and I think that would be really cool as an option. Um, but I think I'll make my case for Starkiller again, saying that, you know, we're not trying to make Vader sympathetic at this point in the timeline, which is why you have a character like Starkiller to deflect the sympathy onto having to deal with how horrible Vader is. Right. I guess that's just the different. The, that's the, the question then. If you're making a Vader series, does he need to be the central person? Or does he just need to be in the series as a, like a secondary character? Sort of like this, but maybe more screen time. Right. Like that's that's the the maybe the key to unlocking the show for me. Like I don't I don't want him to be the main guy. I want him to be involved in the show, show up and be a badass, but that's all I want from Vader. I want him to be terrifying, badass, and just l- l- kick the fucking crap out of a bunch of Jedi. Like that's to me what's cool about Vader in this time period. But again, there's not much, I think, as a viewer to latch on to there, because like, after you see Vader do a bunch of cool stuff and be terrifying, intimidating once or twice, and you realize that that's his stick, 
for the for the show. Like, is that going to get old? I don't know. Well, and that that's why I was thinking the way that I'm going is you have him recruit Starkiller, and in you know in his mind he's not only recruiting Starkiller to be the person hunting Jedi for him. He's also you know just like he was in the game in certain storylines where you're also being recruited to be you know that second Sith and overthrow the Emperor. Right. And then he learns along the way that he can't overthrow the Emperor and the Emperor kills Starkiller and you know have that storyline play out to where Vader then fully accepts the Emperor's guidance. Yeah. And stops trying to fulfill the Sith destiny of killing your master and he just starts obeying or something. You know, something along those lines that could set up a lot of things. And like I said, and that could lead into setting up the Inquisitors as just pawns that he doesn't care about. Right. Instead of trying to recruit an apprentice for himself. All right. So yes or no, would you like to see a Vader series, whether it's your, your pitch, my pitch or some other pitch? Yes or no. If it's, if it's done right. Yes. If it's done. I mean, I I think that goes for anything, but I feel like it's very, easy to screw up yeah so if you're gonna do it get it right and i will watch it and i'll love it but if you do it wrong i'm gonna be pissed <laughs> like if you fuck up a vader series you're really so, fucking up i feel like honestly no i don't want a vader series i think if they're gonna make some star wars content again i'm gonna keep preaching this i really want to see some different stuff and i think we're gonna get that with some other series they have in development they're gonna right. hit different eras and different creators and stuff like that but I, I would really like shows to start introducing new characters and not have to just rely on legacy characters or the original trilogy era. I want some different stuff. And as cool as Vader is, it's still going to hit that little niche nostalgic pocket of original trilogy era and legacy characters that I would just like them to do different stuff. And there's a lot of existing Legends characters yes. that are just as cool, if not cooler, than Vader. Yeah. That they can touch on. Name your favorite Sith of old, and it would be really cool to watch. Yeah. So, or a new something that they can make up, you know? It, it would be really fun. Um, I mean, overall, we'll just, final thoughts, I really like the series. I'm curious where they go from here, if at all, but if this is it, I'm perfectly happy. I'm, well, I'm, I don't think we're going to, I wasn't going to plan on rating this. I don't think we're, it's not a movie. I didn't want to give it a rating, but, I mean, I give it the two thumbs up. I really like it. So, that's where I kind of end. I agree. I really enjoyed it. Um, even if I, like I said, I would have enjoyed it more as a movie. Um, you know, the the story as a whole, I thought was extremely good. And I, my only detraction from it is some of it just felt drawn out. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's okay. That happens a lot of times. <laughs> you know, they, they're making a series, not a movie. I get that. And pretty much all series, if you really break them down, get drawn out at some point. So. Yeah. I, I understand it, and I like it for what it is. I would give it two thumbs up as well. We'll, we'll use the thumbs up system <laughs> series. Then. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to rate. Um, all right, well, I think that is it for us. Uh, we'll see what we get to next. I don't know whether we'll get to uh, Thor next or if we'll have to plug something else in, in the meantime. But by the time... Stranger Things, too. Oh, yeah, that's that's on the docket, too. You're, you are correct. Um, so, yeah, maybe one of those... Uh, next week we'll see see what people get to because by the time this comes out Thor will have released so it, it's probably just going to depend to who gets out opening weekend and sees the movie and we'll kind of get one plus I'm assuming everyone's caught up on Stranger Things as far, like, as far as we're concerned but 
we'll have to confirm that too as to to who watches and who's caught up before we can figure out what we're talking about and who's who's on the docket for that but yeah either way one of those two i think is a safe bet for the next episode so we'll we'll see where we where we go but that's it for us uh if you've enjoyed the show please leave a five-star rating and review be sure to give us a share on social media uh, you can follow, subscribe to the show. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Amazon, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Check us out on Facebook, search Bryguy and his super friends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, email me, Superfriends at gmail.com. It's it's working. It It's probably filling up. Probably not. No, who am I kidding? It's not filling up. No one's sending me stuff. Uh Hit us up at BG Superfriends on Twitter. That I will see. That I will respond to. Um, you can follow us, follow me on Twitch if you would like. Uh, Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I. Bry with a Y. Uh, whenever we decide to do some sort of live recording, we can sometimes throw them up on Twitch. If you want to watch me randomly play games occasionally, I do that there also. Uh, and that's it. On behalf of Mike and myself, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you.